Lake Effect brings you conversations about what's happening in Milwaukee and the people, places, and organizations that shape our community. This is Lake Effect Spotlight from WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR. Local authors and officials are criticizing the removal of a literary art installation at the Wisconsin Center. The exhibit called Portals and Writings Celebrating Wisconsin Authors showcases the works of 48 writers. Wisconsin Center President and CEO Marty Brooks chose to remove the installation to maintain what he calls, quote, visual cohesion between the North and South buildings, according to a letter to board members. Kimberly Blazer is one of the people speaking out against the decision. She's an author and a retired professor at UW-Milwaukee. WUWM's Eddie Morales asked Blazer about her contributions to the exhibit and the impact it had on the community. I was part of the original um, group that curated the installation. I was a very young professor at the time. We spent months uh, receiving uh, submissions from people who wanted to be included in the installation. I remember doing a lot of research going to look at, to find you know passages that represent the incredible literary history of the state. And we have this really wide swath of writers represented. And it includes BIPOC writers, it includes indigenous writers, you know, we have one of Wisconsin's most well-known poets, um, Lorene Niedecker. And if you go to Fort Atkinson, you know, her poetry is on three different buildings there. If you look at you, you, you can't do this. No one will be able to do this now. But if you could go in that building and see there's a there was a massive installation of her work across a, lo- a large space because that's the way that her work is. If you look at it on the page, it's the visual reality is as important as the language because that's part of how you she communicated the meaning. I mean, I could just I could spell, spend an hour telling you about these writers, but the point is that there's this incredible representation. And these are writers from all time periods, from all different communities. And my concern is that some of the things they're saying may not be welcome in the arena, you know, like right now where we're having censorship and there's, you know, all of these arguments about whether or not, you know, we can have certain books in the classroom and so forth and the curriculum's being questioned and there's book banning. And I see this maybe as a part of that larger movement to silence certain voices because there are voices in here that are exposing elements of the history of Wisconsin that aren't these pristine, happy scenes, you know. And so I really do feel like this is a silencing and it has a motive other than refreshing the building. Can you talk a little bit more about kind of the history of its installation, you being a part of that, uh, along with what year that was? 1998. And we had been working on it for at least a year, probably more than that prior, because, you know, time for installation. It it was when the building opened originally. That's when it was um, installed and the community was excited and people came out. It was like sort of almost like a little festival that day, I remember. Um, And the two people that were instrumental uh, in getting that 
project were Carl Gartang and Anne Kingsbury, who are co-founders of Woodland Pattern Book Center. They're retired from the book center now, but Carl is writing, Anne is an artist, and they're both very active still. But they did, you know, a lot of the heavy lifting to get the project accepted. Again, there's great variety there and you can really, really get a sense of the history of Wisconsin literature and all of the people who are, who write in this, this, you know, in this state. And there's people like Carl Sandburg who, you know, everyone teaches in the classrooms, right? Um, so it's like, we have these famous writers from Wisconsin, we should be celebrating them. And we also had all the way to, you know, really young writers. So one of the most heartbreaking things for me when I went to see that final, you know, moment when we could come in and look was I was looking at one of my former graduate students work, Lupe Solis, Guadalupe Solis. So he was my student as an undergraduate all the way through graduate school. He went on to teach at McAllister in the Twin Cities, um, Southwest State in Minnesota, came back to Milwaukee and taught at MATC. So I worked with him for many, many years and they selected a piece of his work. And if you look at the petition for this, um, for preventing this destruction, that's the passage that's featured there. But the day that we were allowed to go in for a few hours, there were these four young people and they came up to me and, and said, um, are you Kim Blazer? And I'm like, yes, I am. And they were his children. So he since passed away, but his four children drove from I think it's Nina area in Wisconsin to come down and look at their dad's work on the wall of the convention center one last time. But his his work also, um, it's, a, it's a beautiful passage. I, I don't have it in front of me, but it, but it talks about, you know, boarded up houses and being forgotten. These are the passages that I think people are afraid of that say, hey, take a look at this. Don't forget us, remember this. Like this is our history too, right? visually for someone who's never seen it like how much space does that installation span and then and then what is the impact of it now that it's not going to be there so it's 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 over two floors and it's um mostly where if you're going to enter a room it might be on a door portal it might be over that it might be on a wall um and there can be you know, short passages. And then, as I said, there's a very long, the Niedecker, there's, you know, like shorter poems, shorter prose pieces. Um, and they're, some of them are, they're raised, some of them are raised um, like brass or something that's boldest, raised letters to stand away from a wood surface. And some of them are they're impressed. There's different ways they're presented and they're, they're not all the same, but the thing is, it's, it's like being, <laughs> I mean, it's sort of like being in a visual library, right? And also at the same time, feeling that immensity of art because it's, it's large before you, because as you know, the former leader of the Academy of American Poets, Jen Benka, says in our press release, as far as she knows, this is the largest literary installation in the United States. So it's a, it's a really large undertaking. It's one of those things that when you stand before it, it, it kind of puts you, it gives you a perspective, you know, puts you, gives you a different kind of perspective about things. Why would we not want to welcome our visitors with the voices of our history and all the people of the state of Wisconsin? 
I, I can't imagine why not. I really feel it's, it's just running roughshod over the people to say that you don't have a voice in what is in your public building and that we don't have to hold space for you to speak and give us your opinion. So I feel like, you know, we don't want that black eye for the state of Wisconsin. We've got a lot of, you know, like less than perfect PR as it is out in the world. Wouldn't we like to be celebrated for something positive? And what is the impact of this just as far as not only locally, but starting to become more nationally or regionally? Is this news affecting other organizations? Is it getting the attention of other people? We sent this to people from other places in the country. And just among the people, I could say, of course, you know, already working on this with us when we put together the press release was Jen Benka, who served for a decade as the um, head of the Academy of American Poets. So this national poetry organization, um, just to give you sort of a breadth, I have a colleague who is the director of the um, Story Knife Writers Retreat in Homer, Alaska. So way up there who has been writing saying, what can I do? I can't believe they're doing this. Um, Hyde E. Erdrich is a nationally known writer. She just won this big poetry prize from the Library of Congress last year, the Bobbitt Prize. She, if you look at her Facebook, if you look at her post, and she is just, she said she's been brokenhearted that that they would do that she's been in that building and was you know and, and loved being there she talked about remembering her visits to that building there's a professor who's the current um wisconsin i mean sorry winona poet laureate from minnesota who is writing letters because he can't believe this devastation um the current Madison Poet Laureate, the current Wisconsin Poet Laureate. I'm, I'm this is like all over. I could, I could, you know, just tell you if I could open up my email and tell you the people that are being in contact with me. It is not simply this like small community that's looking at this. It is everybody saying, what the heck is Milwaukee doing? Why would they do that? What gives some one individual the right to destroy public art? Kimberly Blazer is an author and retired professor at UW-Milwaukee. She spoke with WUWM's Eddie Morales. We reached out to the Wisconsin Center for Comment and they did not respond to our request. You can find more interviews like this one by visiting wuwm.com slash lake effect. And while you're there, subscribe to the Lake Effect Spotlight podcast.